Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Hey, welcome everyone to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and I am not Eva. No, and I am Eva. <laughs> and I <laughs> am Charlie. Good. <laughs> um, the mission of Corporate Talk is to leave no stone unturned, to use all our collaborative powers to make a difference, even as one person. Do you feel that you've actually turned over every stone? No. No. We, we can always do better. We can always do better. There's a lot of stones. There's a lot of stones. Um, net, net. Don't leave your greatness in your head. That's the message. As Wayne Dyer would say, don't die with your music still in you. Wow. I know. It's good, right? Um, so we are broadcasting live from our secure bunker here in Cincinnati. I'm a little under the weather, so if I have to choke and cough, I hope to hit mute. So bear with me. Are you looking at me to hit mute? <laughs> well, we are in close quarters you know, yes, we are. It's a good thing we get along. It right? is a good thing we get along. Um, I want to just say we're one day post Super Bowl and leave it at that. Oh, really? Is that all you're going to say? Uh, you know what? I, I do love that we have the DVR because we did watch Super Bowl, but then I also got to become more sensible and watch Downton Abbey, too. Yeah, you like that show. That's good. <laughs> um, you like it, too, but you pretend that you don't. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you do. So what is new? E, we have a big week. We have a big week. You know, the workshops keep going with Stage Fright because, you know, walking through fear is not that easy. So we're starting a five-week class this week. So that's starting on Wednesday. And also, you know, listen up in the next couple of weeks. I'm also going to do it via teleseminar. Yes. So that's going to be fun. Excellent. More to come. More to come on that. Stay with us, right? Um, uh, we were talking earlier about aha moments and oh, we were while the other day. Oh yeah, we were. Um, and I just wanted to share a few, which charged me up. Right. You've Uh, had aha moments. I've had aha moments. You're very Oprah like. I know my, my ancestors (laughs) are spinning. Um, but so, you know, a couple years back when I was downsized, from my corporation, which I just, if anybody wants to check my blog, charliespeaking.com, I just uh, put my hat in a ring to take over that company. Oh, um, that's right. <laughs> so, um, but when I left corporate and I realized one thing that was really key for me a little late, and that is all of the mentors that I chased throughout my career. Mm-hmm were all gone. Mm-hmm. I was the last one standing. It's almost as if I should have been mentoring them. So I realized that my mentor selection may not have been the best. In fact, it didn't happen. I never selected. I was just going to say, did you even ever select a mentor? Right. Like really go seek someone out to mentor you? I no, never and did. that's a problem. Yeah. And that's what we stress to everyone. Mentors are good, but you need to recruit them. Oh, yeah. Um, so I did some research when I was alone in the gutter, 
And I had to go back to 1775 to find mentors that had the same mission as me. Mm. And um, I learned a couple things. Um, I learned that hard work is good, smart work is better, but teamwork is best. And um, I learned that uh, these guys back then didn't have templates or be- best practices to follow. Mm-hmm. They just had to find a way. Um, but they shared a common motive, and that was that they cared. They cared about raising a new nation. And um, what I learned is that when care is the motive, nations can be raised. Now, we're not saying we need to raise a new nation, right? We're very happy with the one we have. Thank you. But if care can raise a nation, imagine what it can do in the workplace. Well, I mean, imagine what it can do for your career because that, you know, so many times when we talk to people about work, everybody complains. And I mean, and we've been as guilty as anyone about that, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the first line of defense. You complain about it. You complain about your boss. You complain about the culture. You complain about everything. But yet, if everybody's complaining, what if everybody tried to make a difference? Right. Right. I mean, like, who who is this? Who is this kind of they that everybody talks about that they are running this and they're doing this and they're doing that? But yet at every level, you'll talk to people and at every level, they'll be saying that they're not satisfied either. Well, who's the one that's running the show then? Right. And and it's funny because, you know, there's a point to this, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, let me just uh, change topics for a second and say we're very proud of the content we bring mm-hmm. every week. And we're also very proud that we meet. of the guests that we have, and today is no exception. Um, uh, But what I wanted to tie into the CARE model is that it's a shared leadership model. It's collaboration from the bottom up to the top and from the top down to the bottom. Mm -hmm. It's an equal parts collaboration, delivering results for the good of the company, but not at the expense of others. Um, And... It's a little hard to uh, comprehend if you're at the top of the house, Mm -hmm. and it's a little hard to comprehend if you're at the bottom of the house because of the disconnect. Right. Um, So, you know, one of the things we learned from our guest, who I'm going to introduce in a minute, is he was preaching the same message when we met. Mm -hmm. And um, he was saying that, we need bottom-up training. Yes. We need we need to hear from the bottom uh, and not just delegate to the bottom. Right. Right. And I love that. It's a it's it's a very value because it also empowers us at the bottom to deliver. Well, yeah. I mean that that's been happening so much lately. I even remember when I was first starting in my career, they had many more training programs than they do now. They just don't seem to really train people anymore. Yeah. And so many times when we would bring in new consultants at um, the consulting company that I worked for, they would get angry because these kids weren't doing what they wanted them to do. And I said, well, we have to train them. We have to help them. We have to show them. We have to mentor them. And I'll even bit. go one step further and say, we have to hear from them. Well, but we have to ask them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, our guest this week, uh, Buck Jones, is, and I'm not sure how to describe him other than an expert on retail communication or re- retail 
uh, well, we'll let him explain it, right? Um, so, uh, Buck, are you with us? Yes, I am. Yes, <laughs> so I kind of... To Corporate Talk, I'd like to introduce Buck Jones. Uh, thank you for joining, and thank you for being patient. <laughs> well, no, no, I, I enjoy listening to that. I mean, after that introduction, I think I can just kind of stay quiet and, and let you take it, because you went right through it right there, Charlie. I, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, we met uh, a while back in New York City, and you were just, you know, blasting me the same way. I loved it. Um, so <laughs> tell our listeners... Uh, a little bit about what you do and and so on, so they could follow along while we talk. Yeah, well, probably, um, you know, I started in retail. I was living in Chicago, started in retail when I came out of high school. Well, actually, in high school, and then you go down and you take that uh, part-time job at the supermarket, and you start that way. And went through college, kept that job, and got out of college. I thought I'd just stay in the retail business for a while to kind of see what happened. I don't think um, people in the supermarket business make a conscious choice to, to stay there. It isn't like you're going as a young kid, you know, uh, this guy wants to be a fireman, this guy wants to be a policeman, and this guy goes, gee, I want to go up and be in the supermarket business. It just doesn't work <laughs> quite that way. Um, but I kind of stayed to see what would happen, and next thing I know, I'm, I'm moving up with the company, then I got recruited and was in Boston, actually in Omaha for four years, then Boston four years, and then came down as a corporate vice president for one of the very large supermarket companies in this country. Uh, just outside of New York City and was there for about three years, left and for my own company. I do a lot of work right now with retailers and with manufacturers, uh, all in the area, of, in fact, almost all of it in the area of training and education, both on the manufacturer side, on what the retailers like and their needs, and on the retail side, and what they need to do to help work with those people at store level uh, and help improve their efficiency and their ability to provide customer service. So that's what I've been doing now for uh, the last 20-some years. So how do you bridge that gap between what the retailers want and what the manufacturers are told to make? <laughs> now, well, now we're going to a whole different area. Uh, <laughs> and and it's, it, you know, it's in the idea of what they want to have in their stores and, and what the retailers want them to have, uh, what the manufacturers are making. Um but what is very interesting, I actually, you know, that, that's happened is you watch a major change that's happened in this country, probably probably in the last eight years, in the area of who really controls this retail business, because it's the consumer. Uh, this whole change occurred back with uh, what happened with the internet and what's happened with all social media and everything else. Uh, the consumer has uh, really the, the responsibility. I would say, well, that just probably isn't the right word, but they really control this. And retailers are now all scrambling to find out the, what the what does the consumer want and how do we abide by this and how do we move with this and what can we do and not do. But the consumer controls this today, and I don't think most consumers even realize it. Um, they're still thinking of it as the way it was 10 years ago where, you know, the retailer really put out the product. You either took it or you didn't. You accepted the price or you didn't, and you went wherever you wanted to go, but you really didn't have a say. That's interesting, right? And we see that, uh, I don't want to say here a lot, but we kind of do, right? Um, uh, so the retailers maybe missed this. They weren't really learning about their target audience as much as they should have been, right? Exactly. Uh, oh, exactly. Exactly. And um, and again, I mean, I don't know if that's the retailer's fault or it's just the way business was or all those kind of areas, but I mean, 
uh, with the change that's occurred in these last eight to nine years, um, right now you've got a situation where, first of all, the retail business has always been very conservative. Um, it, it was always behind what people really wanted. But the retailers traditionally were, were that type of business. It wasn't the, you know, they didn't accept technology as fast. They didn't accept the changes that were going on as fast. They were much more of a conservative business. And we always were that way. Uh, as the changes occurred on this other side now, in the technology side, they accepted it from the standpoint of how you move product, how you get product in, how you track product movement so you know what's going through. But they've been very slow in using it and pulling into the other areas of people management, people education, and people training. And so many things are available today from a technology standpoint that weren't there a decade ago. Yeah, uh, but yeah. those really haven't been accepted yet. And so they're really behind in that area. That's tough. And things are moving very fast, too. So if they don't catch on quick, there's going to be a wider gap, right? Mm -hmm. You're exactly right. You're exactly uh, right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Buck, we have about a minute or so before our first break. Can, um, if I'm a customer and I reach out to you, what would you offer? What would you provide for me if I'm a business? How would you help? Well, okay, let's, I work on both sides, both the retail and the customer side. On the retail side, it's about how to really deal with your store level people. I'm a very big believer in store level execution. No matter what you say at corporate, no matter what you pronounce to the world, no matter what you tell the universe, it doesn't make any difference. It's what happens at store level in that one-on-one -on -one interaction between that consumer and that person you've got at store level. And that person will either destroy you or make you. And that's where the key is. And so many retailers have forgotten it. Um, they, <laughs> they, they are spending their money stepper in, and we have this, this area between, what I call disconnect, between store level and corporate. Yeah. And this, this is really critical right now because in every retail sector, whether you're talking about supermarket, convenience store, or mercantile, you will find very good operators, but they're the exception. The majority are not from that standpoint of customer service, but you've got some very good ones in each area. So we know it works. We know it can be done. It's just the majority of them aren't willing to put the commitment and resources there that need to make that happen. Um, no, I love it. In fact, what, what's going through my head now, um, Buck, is how needed you are to, to keep the brick and mortar business going. Right. Right? Yeah, I, mean, I was thinking it, that I too. think, uh, if I was in the brick and mortar business, if I had a store or a product or I, I mean, you, I would want to reach out to you in a heartbeat to help yeah. connect with my, uh, customers. And, and you're exactly right. When you talk about brick and mortar and what's happening in the industry today, how important that is because we're losing a lot of the customers out of that brick-and-mortar side, as you know. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is really good intro. We have a lot more to talk about. I think uh, we have a lot to learn today. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. So please, everyone, stay with us. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie, Eva, and our very special guest, retail expert, Buck Jones. We'll be right back. CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning Shared Leadership Training Seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization, regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company, but not at the expense of others. 
Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information and to order, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Buck Jones, and he is the author of Success at Retail, One 15-Minute Break at a Time, 16 Questions I Wish I'd Asked as a Retail Manager. And, Buck, I was really liking what you were talking about earlier because, to me, it's just so odd that the people that you pay the least are the ones that are your customer-facing employees, right? And so you're not putting in a lot of time training them, teaching them what to do, how to really re- interact with a customer, yet those are the people that are really could really make or break your business. Because we all know that if we go into a grocery store and the grocery store doesn't have properly stocked shelves or when you ask an employee where to find something and they can't help you or they just have a bad attitude, you know you don't want to go back there. And because there's so many different places that we can buy the same items. And so really it's the employees, I would think, that make or break which grocery store you go to. As well as some other, as well as some other things too. Well, no, let's go back. I I mean, you're you're hitting right on the main issues right there, and you hit quite a few of them. Um, This applies whether you're talking about grocery, you're talking about mercantile, convenience stores, uh, big big lot stores, whatever you're talking about. It in the retailing business, the only difference is the product. The same problems exist whether you're talking about supermarket or you're talking about a convenience store or or whatever you're selling. the people problem that you've got. And so you're exactly right. You've got a workforce that's paid minimum wage. It's mm-hmm. usually entry-level people. And they turn over or move out of those jobs at about a 75% a year rate. Yeah, so wow. You, you, you've got this major problem to deal with. Uh, now, the interesting things that, that we found out is uh, we, we completed a survey uh, just in November, right on the end of November, of a little over 16,000, excuse me, 1,600 men and women in this country talking about the whole customer service issue. Um, two things came out of there that really surprised me. Um, one was looking at which age groups are really concerned and really have the most problems from a customer service standpoint. And when we looked at this, the younger age groups, ages 18 to 30, have the least amount of problems. In fact, when we got in to start looking at it, and I, I really thought the younger group would be the, the group that would be saying, you know, they'd be much more um, activist. They'd be much more up and saying, let's go. We need to find this. Quite the yeah. The younger group looks at the situation as that's just the way it is. I mean, that's the way it's always been, and why get upset about it? And as we got into it, one of the reasons is because they have really never experienced or has the less opportunity to experience what good customer service or excellent customer service could be. Yeah. They don't have a focal point, a reference point to really say, this is the way, oh, I remember this, or I remember that. And this causes two major problems because 
as a consumer that's coming in, they accept it. It's almost like, you know, I, I, I will accept mediocre service as long as it's not too bad. As long as they don't insult me and kick me out the store, it's okay. It's almost that kind of attitude. But the yeah, you know, is- you know what? Um, corporate helped create this problem um, in other lines of business by outsourcing customer service. So, um, well, but they don't outsource in the retail space. They don't outsource in the retail right. space. I understand that. But net net, the customer service reputation has weakened as a result of all of the offshoring. Now, not that offshoring, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I'm saying we're not giving the customer service the respect it needs. And it's, it filtered down and it's coming out in retail. And a lot of the young customers maybe just say it is what it is, like Buck says. I, I, I think you're right, Charlie. I, I think you're right. Uh, but what also happens is not only have you got this reaction because they're a consumer, that young group is actually the group that we're turning around and hiring as retailers. And so we're hiring people that really haven't experienced it that much, then putting them in positions where they're supposed to provide it. And so yeah. it's, a, it's a double problem because that just continues the downward spiral. It just continues the situation of not knowing what it is. See, there isn't a retailer in this country that you couldn't go to and say, is customer service important? And they would all tell you how important it is. The problem with customer service is you can't write a manual about it and give it to a person and say, this is what you do, because it's not about those major things. Customer service is very subtle. How you deal with people, how you react with them, and you can destroy it very easily just in very subtle nuances, but not understanding how you're dealing with people. And yeah, it's absolutely true. Oh, it, it, and that's, Charlie, I, I look at that's one of the major problems is the companies that do it very well have a culture. And when you get involved with that company, the people around you are that way, and you begin to pick mm-hmm. that up because of the culture that exists. We have less and less companies that have that culture. Yeah. That yeah, I agree. I mean, what a difference, like when you go to Trader Joe's and the help that you get at Trader Joe's as opposed to even Whole Foods. I mean, Whole Foods is okay, but Trader Joe's always goes a little bit extra. You know, they talk to you, they engage you at the register, they ask you in the aisles if you need help, and then they move you over and they talk about the product a little bit. Yeah, let me just take that one step further based on what Buck just said, right? He said... Uh, customer service is not something you can put in a template. No, you, you have can't. to. It's a touchy feely job, right? You need to see other people around you so, doing it. Right. And I agree yeah. with you a hundred percent. And so when you go to Whole Foods, we're looking for something. And when we check out, the person at the register says, did you find what you need? And I said, no. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so they were just template addressing <laughs> right. the issue, but they didn't know about being concerned about the issue. Right. Whereas when you go to Trader Joe's, now I did notice the difference between the Chicago Whole Foods and the Cincinnati Whole Foods. Yeah. Like Chicago was just above and beyond. But when I well, came they get here, it. yeah, they get it. When I came here, it was way different. And that's why we've seen small businesses here go under like our cupcake place that we loved so that recently yes. went under. They yeah. had the best cupcakes, Buck, but you couldn't, they didn't even have hours that were consistent. Yeah. What was on the door wasn't necessarily when you could actually go there and get the cupcakes. Right. They needed you, oh, Buck. Boy. They needed you bad. 
Well, well, I could put their hours on the door for them. That would <laughs> Well, and they had the hours on the door, but yet you'd get there and they'd be like, well, you know, the baker's not here yet. La, la, la. Oh. We're not opening for another half hour. Well, <laughs> but I'm here. Yeah. You know, right. you have the certain hours. But what I, w- what I was going to bring up, though, too, is when I was young, I worked retail. Just like you, I started in um, high school. And then when I would come home on break at college and I was working over at the Woodfield Mall outside of Chicago at Marshall Fields. And See, now, wait a what now, I, first of all, you, you understand I grew up in Chicago. So I know yes. exactly what you're talking about at the Woodfield Mall there because I grew up <laughs> on Darlington Heights and that whole area. So, yes, I know exactly where you were. In fact, well, Buck, I, I think we probably know each other because I grew up in Arlington Heights. But um, there you go. <laughs> there we go. So, you know, I was at the Woodfield Mall, as you know, when it, it first opened and I was working at Marshall Fields. And what I found, well, I started in Randhurst, actually, and I know you know where that is. Oh, yeah. But um, what we had was we had older salespeople on the floor that you watched and you talked to and they showed you what to do and they showed you how to wrap you know, back then, when you gave someone a box from Marshall Fields, it was wrapped. I mean, we had to put the right. tissue paper in. We put the gold ribbon on it. I mean, there was a whole process. Yeah. And you don't see that anymore at all. No. Yeah, and you're, you're exactly right. And that's, that's even going back. I think you can take, if I said, hey, pick the best, um, okay, let's say mercantile operator in the country from a customer service standpoint. You can think of a couple of them there. And, and usually when I talk about that, I'll hear Nordstrom uh, a yes. lot. I'll hear that kind of thing. If I talk about supermarkets, I'll, you, it's amazing to me how often Trader Joe's comes up or Wegmans comes up um, or Gelson's out on the West Coast. Um, if you talk about convenience stores, you'll hear it. And it's, but people know. And when they go there, they expect a certain type of service for being there. I mean, they they they. They understand that when they go in, and they expect to receive that, and that's that's part of their culture. It's part of how they are. The problem, I think, is we've got less and less. And one of the things that's really happened is that I talk about we have started trading service for price. And what's really taken place over the last eight or nine years is we've become, with the Internet sourcing, that everybody can get on the Internet and find the prices of all these goods now, and people go in, and if you know you're going to a low-price operation, immediately you associated that with, oh, I don't expect as much service. In fact, what happens is, as you go through or you come out, you go, maybe I didn't, well, gee, I, I didn't really find this. Uh, I don't know if they had that. There was no one there to help me, but but look at the price. Look how, how less I paid here. Yeah, people are trading uh, value for price. You or thinking it. that yes, service is not value. Right. That's correct. Right. That's right. exactly right. And yeah. that's one of the things that's really happened. And we see this in a lot of ways right now, that's the way that's, that's taking place. And that concerns me an awful lot because is, if, we, if retailers keep moving that direction by providing better and better, lower and lower prices, less and less service, that becomes, again, that perpetuates that downward spiral in the whole service area. Because but yet when you look at someplace like we have about a minute before we go to break again, but when you look at someplace like Costco, right, I mean, that is just one big store with just a ton of different stuff in it, just boxed up, but yet they provide great service. And even the way they have the boxes all set up, it 
it's just great. It's just a great experience to go in there. And so it's cheap. You're buying stuff in bulk that you probably don't even need. And yet it's a great experience. I mean, it's, it's great when you, when you interact with anyone there, the people at the register are great. So I think you can have low price and great service and you just have a win-win for everybody. Oh, I, I think you can too. And I love the Costco model. I mean, basically the Costco model is everything that you're buying in the store. The prices are set based on their cost. What's it cost to run that operation? There is no profit built into the price of those items at all. Costco makes its money on your membership fees. Everything else, the idea is that company that stores to break even based on the cost and everything they've got. Yeah, that's cool. That's creative, but it's also oh. based on trust. Well, let's hold that thought because we're just about to go to break. So let's come back and talk more about Costco and this model because this is a really, really interesting conversation. Um, So stay with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva and our guest today, Buck Jones. We'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on TalkZone. Welcome back, everyone, to Segment 3, Corporate Talk with Charlie, Eva, and Buck Jones this week. So, Buck, before the break, we were talking about the Costco model, but I wanted to ask first um, about your book. How can we get a copy of that book? Um, you can go to our website. Um, our website is called abucksworth.com, <laughs> and everything that you right there. Um, the book was written for retailers. And one of the things that happened, quite honestly, Charlie, is when, at the, when we met in New York, and many of the people I were talking to there said, really, you need to do something uh, for consumers also. And so I will be, that, the second book will be out the end of this month, and that's really designed for the consumer, telling them basically, here's how you, you work with retailers. When you have complaints, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to get them satisfied and resolved successfully. And there's ways to do that. Uh, and I'm not talking about going in yelling and screaming and not <laughs> that yeah. hand at all. But there are any time that you have, um, um, I guess, an engagement or a situation between one person and another, there will always be situations that happen uh, that have to be resolved. Those things just are going to come up naturally. So when you're dealing with retailers, there are going to be situations. There are going to be times when they aren't going to have the thing you want or they don't take care of the thing you want or someone's going to make a mistake. And so there's a natural way that these should be handled, and that's what we're really addressing in the second book, um, and that'll be out the end of February, but all that is and that, on that website. And that speaks to what you mentioned earlier, that you're working both sides of the fence for uh, businesses and for the consumers. You're trying yes, to bridge the gap, one-man army, Buck. 
Well, Charlie, right. I, I don't believe it's all one, you know, it's, it's not the fault of, of all retailers, and it's not the fault of consumers. It's, both have a, have a role to play here. Um, you know, and retailers react to what consumers want. That's really what we're trying to do. And if consumers are going to say, look, all I want is price, all I want is price, all I want is price, well, it's very, it's expensive to commit to building um, a, a quality service-oriented operation. Because you have yeah. these people to turn over. And if you want to start today, okay, here's the question. You have a retail, you, you have a retail operation and you just received $2 million as an endowment from someone that passed away and they're giving it to you. And you have the opportunity now to decide one of two things. You can guarantee by the use of that $2 million that you will have the lowest prices in your area for the next year. Or, you can take that two million, you can put it over here, and you know that you can build a customer service program, but you're really not going to see much benefit from it for probably the first two, three years as you start building this up and build your people through. The question comes to you, where do you spend that money? And that's not an easy decision. Hey, I was just going to say, no, it's not, not an easy decision. No, it's yeah. not. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And you, know, you what's really interesting though if you go back to the Costco model is it's kind of it kind of proves everything you say because we never see any um altercations or complaints there's there's a returns area and everybody's treated with the same respect as the people in the aisles well and I they mean, just don't give you a hassle at all when you right, return something it's at just all. like a win-win across the board yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you're exactly right, and I, I love the model. I love it. The other thing that I really like about it, and Eva didn't mention it yet, but I thought you were going to, is that when you go in a Costco, there's always something new that they're doing. They always bring in, and they run about a 10% to 15% change of product. And when they, you come in those aisles, you know, you come in that door and you start down the side, one of the first things is, okay, what do they got here this time? What's the yeah, new yeah. thing that they've got up here? And you know what I'm talking about in that area you go down where they've got the yes. piled up and they've always got... They, yes, this past weekend they had stressless chairs with slots for your whole leg. Yeah, right? they had those chairs. Now, uh, <laughs> not to go off topic, um, you know, I don't want to say there's not much to do here where we live, um, but come the weekends we say, let's go to Costco. And we uh, actually go there to see what you just said, see what's new, see what's on sale, see what's different, and we get some good snacks. Um, yep. Well, and they feed you too, yeah. right? I mean, they feed you and... <laughs> yeah. just- so, but, but the thing is, um, it's worth the membership. It is worth the membership. So yeah. I'm not sure, uh, you know, there's a, there's a little skill here in terms of how you price your product and value your customer service, but... Uh, I guess maybe that's where we need Buck, but when you ma- when you master that skill, I think you have a winning model for sure. Mm-hmm. I, right? I see. I, I'm right with you, Charlie. Both of you. I, you know, I think this is. Um, I, I love that model. I love what they do. They've been very successful. They're continuing to be very successful. Um, the the idea of the new product and, and people really do go in to see, like you're saying, to see what's going to be new. And now, and there's plenty of competitors. I mean, there's plenty of competitors to drive in, in that particular big store co- concept, but nobody seems to do it um, at that level that Costco does. And well, and Costco's merchandise is really good. Yeah. Like, I've yeah. been to Sam's Club, and it's okay, but Costco's 
Costco's merchandise that they sell, they sell it at a much lower price, but yet it's really high quality. And that's what I think was the big difference for me is that I started going, I, I first went to the one, there was one, um, God, I can't remember the, on Elston in Chicago that opened. And we used to go with my friends and we would split everything up because we were single then. We just didn't need all of that stuff, but it was so high quality. It was really good. It was yeah. really good. So yeah, there was that there, combination guess. of the service that you got that, the employees look happy. There isn't somebody in every aisle helping you. I guess you don't really need help. I mean, you can see everything is right there. But nobody's watching you either. But they're not watching you. They're not bugging you. But <laughs> yes, what are you doing over there? But yet they're helping you if you need it. And at the now, checkout, Charlie, they're great. I mean, I mean, everybody's Charlie, just really friendly and they're great. Charlie, if I saw you in an aisle, I'd want to know what you're doing. That's not sure I would. <laughs> um, just, they seek him out. <laughs> uh, but again, just to stop for one second and just share the website, uh, uh, bucksworth.com. And believe me, it's you'll get your bucksworth, right? Right. Um, and order that book for many reasons. Uh, I love the idea of saving the brick and mortar industry. Because what's going to happen? We'll have ghost towns. Well, there's so many entrepreneurs out there, especially here as they're um, gentrifying over the Rhine, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of entrepreneurs. And a lot of the good entrepreneurs, I think, are there. And the customer service tends to be good. But, you know, like we saw with our favorite cupcake place that is no longer here, um, you don't have to be a big store to get a lot of good information from this. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So... But when you wrote this book, it's based on what? Your observations from all your years in retail? It's, it's based on what happened to me, Charlie. Uh, yeah. You know, I, as I got out and started moving up, and, and I, okay, first of all, I was one of those that believed that the the higher up you went in corporate, the smarter the people were. Yeah. Um, now, I found out that wasn't the case, but I believed that as I started out at the bottom level, mm-hmm. working your way up. And... But in, in retail, when we train in leadership, for example, we always train at the top. And the idea is that some of that will trickle down to store level, but it never does. We can't afford, we couldn't afford to pay to train people at store level in those kind of areas on leadership and management and how to hire and, and how to build teams and all these kind of things. And so what happens is that at store level, I was making all kinds of mistakes. And as I moved up to the company and started doing training and then started Actually, once I left retail, I actually started doing a lot of executive training in this country. I kept thinking, boy, the things that I'm teaching right now, I wish I knew when I was back at store level. Because yeah. that's where you are hiring people. That's where you are trying to build your, your, your people together to do things. That's where you are trying to, to affect the customer. You're dealing with them one-on-one. Here's where you can really make a difference. And so what I did was these are 16 stories. And they all are things that happened to me, things that I saw. And maybe I didn't handle them the way I wish I had of at the time, but I never knew any better. And so I've taken leadership manager areas and ways that we really, I, I wish I had acted and have designed those into these stories of, of what I did and, and what I've learned now, how I would have done it. And so it's, it's kind of reflection back on me, on the things that, I wish I had known that. Just know. It's very similar to what I did with the care brand in corporate, right, in IT. And that's why I like it so much. Um, we kind of draw on the entire workforce um, and train everyone and not just the top. Because, you know, you mentioned earlier that the 
and especially in the retail business, it's very high turnover rate, mm-hmm. um, yep. which is tragic, right? In 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 yep. terms of talent retention. Um, but exactly. the same is true in the top of the house, right? Right. These days, they're coming, collecting, and leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a problem across the board. So the more people in a company that are trained, I think the better the company has to be successful. Simple. I think you're right. I, th- I think the other thing, and, and, and again, let's go back and use Costco, what you're talking about. Uh, Costco doesn't have near the turnover that other retailers right. have. And a lot of it is how they treat their employees. A lot of it is the way they reimburse their employees. It's the whole structure of how they look at those people uh, at store level and how they're regarded by the company. Um, it, it's very interesting. I know when the economy, we had trouble six, seven years ago, and the economy really went in a bad situation. Costco came out and came to their people and actually said, here's what we're going to do. We're actually, and they gave them raises um, to keep them in the company. Wow. And so they wouldn't leave where other companies were cutting back. Costco went the other way, which was unheard of. And But the programs that are there for the employees are very good. And so wow. people don't leave Costco. Um, it's, and, and there's other retailers like that. Go up to, and again, I, and I don't know if you're familiar with Wegmans up in the northern New York, New York mm-hmm. area. They're year after year are ranked one of the top companies in the country that people like to work for. And that's a grocery company. And people have to wait in line to be able to work for Wegman just because of how their culture, their culture within the company, how they view this employee. Um, yeah. That's the thing, Charlie, and, and we just don't have a lot of that. But those that do it are very successful. Very successful. Um, yeah, I even look at it as, and, you know, this may be a, a, a Charlie special take, but um, lately we see a lot of um, negative Attitudes in the brick and mortar industry because of the internet, right? Um, and maybe this is an opportunity for all brick and mortar companies take a breath, go back to school, let Buck show us how to reattach with our customer base, and then they will come, right? Oh, yeah, I think that. People like customer service. People like yeah. to go somewhere and have an experience. Um, you know, I miss the old bookstores. I mean, yeah, I you know, I have to admit I was buying stuff at Amazon too, but I was also buying <laughs> stuff in the bookstores, right? And yeah. and you miss that experience of, you know, meeting Well, an it author. raises the bar across it raises, the board. It, it really right. does. It really does. Um, so stay with us. This is great, Buck. We have one more segment uh this is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, our very special guest, Buck Jones. We will be right back. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. 
Thanks for staying with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Buck Jones, and we're discussing his book, Success at Retail, one 15-minute break at a time. And if you're interested to learn more about Buck and his book, you can go to abucksworth.com. And also at the end of the month, he's going to be having a new book that's coming out that's focusing more from the consumer side. So, Buck, this has been a great conversation. We've got about 10 minutes left. And I'm wondering if um, for some of our some of our listeners out there, we have a lot of listeners that are entrepreneurs and starting businesses. And I, I think that anytime you're talking um, customer service, it doesn't even matter if you so much even have a bricks and mortar. Customer service is just key whenever you're interfacing with anyone that you'd like to have as a client. And I'm wondering if maybe you could go through one of your 16 questions that you would ask. Like, what would be, if I had a bricks and mortar store and I'm just, and I'm a, entrepreneur and I'm starting to open a store, what would be one of the first things that I'd want to tell my employees that they should do when it comes to working with the customers? That's very interesting. Um, one of the, I think one of the things that um, I guess struck me the biggest as I came through and then as I look back over the things I'd done was the idea uh, between a manager and an employee. Um, I, I, and I think so much, the main the main person in any retail store is the manager. Mm-hmm. The manager is the one that sets the tone. They set the structure. Everything revolves around them. They are the key. And, I, I mean, and, and for me, you know, I was one of those that believed in, um, you know, lead by example. I'm going to lead by example. And when I was an employee, I watched my manager, and I thought, well, gee, my manager didn't do the things I really think he should. And, and, but when I get to be a manager, I'm going to be better. And so I was a... I was a hard-working, go-get-em kind of employee, man. I was quick. I could do a lot, and I, and I knew it. Well, I was running along, and all of a sudden, poof, they come to me and say, next week, you're going to be the manager. Well, as most people, and that's usually the way it happens at retail, there isn't any long training program. Right. Really, anywhere manager. that happens. Right. Yeah, you, <laughs> boom, you're there. Right. Here I am. I was successful because I was hardworking. I went fast. I got a lot done. So I'm going to be a manager. So I figure I'm going to lead by example because if I work hard and I go fast and I get a lot done, my people are going to do the same thing. They're going to follow me. And what I found out, the harder I worked, the more I got done, the more they kind of stood around and watched and said, look at him go. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> look, look at him go. Wow. Now, I, don't, I can't prove they actually slowed down a little. I really can't even, but I, I swear I think they actually slowed down. And well, because you did it all, so why did they have well, to bother, I, right? That's right. And, and being yeah. a new manager, I'm not going to fail. I'm going to show I can do this. And the real problem is, is that when you're an employee, you're measured strictly by what you do, what you accomplish, what you get done. The minute you become a manager, you're not measured by what you do anymore. You're measured and rated by what your employees do and what they accomplish. And that understanding was something I didn't get till years down the line. And understanding that one piece changes a lot because once you accept that, that it's not about me now, it's about my people and what I can do. Now you become the point of how do I help them get more done? How do I educate them? How do I get the resources so they can get things done better? It changes your whole philosophy um, at a retail store manager position. Uh, well, it goes way beyond that, yeah. right? And yeah. that is the exact hitting the nail on the head, mm-hmm. right? The same is true at corporate. 
Buck, because, uh, and it's what I say as well, uh, when the managers rate their staff, they'll rate them harshly. Uh, well, you're not, you're not doing as much as I can. And what I always say is, if someone on your team is going to get a low rating, you need to get that rating because that's your, that's your guy. You need to train that person to not get that rating. So, um, I agree that you should be rated on your team. Um, but how do we get the managers to transfer or to share that knowledge, right? That's right. And, and But I think, honestly, I think it's the understanding. I, I think that has to happen first. I mean, I, I look at it this way. If you're, if you're, you can't make a person do anything. You have to, I guess, educate them enough or get them where they want to do those things. So I think we have to form a system, and that's one of the things I've been working on, is where you're continually providing information for them to to embrace, think about, because as they think about it and accept it, it starts to become theirs. And the only way it becomes theirs is if they accept that information. You can sit and tell somebody how they're supposed to be and all they're supposed to do, but it isn't theirs. They don't take it and act on it until they accept it as being the truth. So I, I really believe it's a system of here are the truths I believe in. Here are ten. If you like two of them, take them, and they become yours. Use them and how you're going to manage and how you're going to build. Um, and I think that's how that starts. I, I'm, I'm a very big believer in that, and I, I, that's what I see as, as a way to make that transformation. And the, today with technology, we can reach people directly through email systems. We can reach them one-on-one. We don't have to bring them all together in a big room and, and go through all that expense. We don't have to try to get everybody together and pull them out of stores. We can get information to them directly to them, but it's providing the right kind of information in the right system and to start that transformation where they start yeah. seeing these things and thinking it's thinking about it, I believe, is getting them to think about it. I guess two bucket takes practice. So, you know, read, uh, I guess I would read your book over and over until, you know, reading it is one thing and actually delivering is another. Probably takes a little bit of practice to learn to inspire your team, right? I, I think you're exactly right. And, and I, Charlie, here's the other thing. Okay. Look, at retail, there's going to be 20% of the people that are working for you that are good people. They're going to go on and do great things no matter what you do. There's another 20% that are probably going to walk out the door. They're not going to listen to you anyway. So this isn't about saving the world. Right. But there's another 60% in there that's either going to be swayed by because they're with people that do things right or do things wrong or because they get information that makes them think about things a different way or not. And those are what we're after. We're after to start swaying those people that are on that fence that haven't had that experience before. That's what I think. That's what I think the opportunity is right there. Um, and if we don't, then we lose that sixty, and that whole thing starts going the other direction. Well, and I think when you spend some time with your workforce, it just makes such a difference for them. Like even asking them why they're here. Why are you here? Because, I mean, that would, people would just think, well, you know, I'm here to make money. Well, no, I mean, there's a little bit more to it. You're taking every one of your days and spending it, you know, you're taking 40 hours out of your life and you're spending it here. How can we make it more productive for you? How can you change your mindset that you actually feel like you're getting something from this? And I think there's something really gratifying 
to be to be gained from when you're supplying good customer service to the people that you interact interact with. The people that come in are then happier and then you are happier just through helping them. Yeah. See at retail, one of the things we talk about at retail we're always taught to correct. And if you watch a manager or store manager or when you come in, you get the thing and you start, here was the list from last night. Oh, just keep, you know, but you didn't get this done. Make sure you do that. Well, you, and before we go home, we get the list. Hey, Bob, come here. Let's, hey, I want you to do this. Get this changed. We're very good at correcting. We're taught that. We're yeah. never taught to praise or tell somebody what they did right. And it's a shame because if we're going to tell people what they do wrong and how to correct, we've also got to be able to tell them, Hey, you did this right. This looks good. We, and we're not taught that way at retail. That's just hasn't been the retail business, and that's a problem. That's what I'm talking about, what I think you're talking about even. Yeah, and, and it also opens the door for management opportunities to strategize differently. In other words, let's show some metrics to the team. You know what? Since we started embracing our customers, look, the traffic increased, you know, things like that. Right, and, and people are buying way. more. Yes. Yeah. No, this no has more. been terrific. Um we have about a minute left, so Buck, why don't you one more time go ahead and share your website and your book? The name of the book is Success at Retail, one 15-minute break at a time, and it's called that because at retail we get a 15-minute break usually every four hours, and it's written so that right. we can actually learn something in that time frame. <laughs> and the website is abucksworth.com. That's perfect. Thank you. This has been a great conversation. We, I know we can keep going. And right? I know we are aligned on uh, yeah, the we workplace really improvement revolution. Yeah. Right? It's perfect. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Buck, for sharing all this information. It's been terrific. And I hope that um, there's some entrepreneurs out there and even some big retail people that, you know, hear it and start to understand what an impact that can make for the business. Yes. Good customer service. Yes. Excellent. Great job, Buck. Keep up the good work. Uh, let's stay in touch, and we'll speak soon. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye. Take care. Thank you, Buck. Um, excellent uh, show. I think it applies to corporate. Um, I, I do, think too. we can all learn from it. Yeah. And uh, another great show, so good job. Give me, and we'll <laughs> see everybody next week, and we'll be sharing this information all week long, so, you know, we'll be in touch. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great week. Talk to you on Monday. 